you for tuning in to episode 126 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anyone that you know is struggling to put pornography in the rearview mirror once and for all, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com and please visit Virtual Couch on Instagram and now you can find the Virtual Couch page on Facebook. That is new. Previously, I was just pointing people to Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, which is there as well. So go like them both if you are a Facebook kind of person. Why not? And if you have a minute and you've enjoyed some of the Virtual Couch podcast material, please... Uh, review, subscribe, pass the podcast episodes along. Um, just uh, but wherever you get your podcast, a quick subscription rate review would be wonderful. And uh, if you're looking for more couples and marriage information, I suggest that you head over to Julie Lee's podcast. It's called I See You. I had Julie on my podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about her struggles with anxiety and depression, and she did an amazing job, honestly, talking about uh, how. Um, she kind of thought she had that beat over uh, once, twice, maybe three times. And if anybody else just had an ADD moment there, once, twice, three times a lady. Um, song from the 70s, I'm drawing a blank on who sang it. Was it a Lionel Richie song? But anyway, I digress, uh, as I often do. But Julie did a wonderful job on discussing how medication played a role for her. And I think that's one of the questions I get often is, well, first of all, one of the best questions I get is, uh, can I prescribe medication, which I cannot? Um, that is a, a psychiatrist who is actually a medical doctor. I am a marriage and family therapist. Right above me is a clinical psychologist, and they can do all kinds of uh, psychological testing and that sort of thing. That's one of those things I get a question of often, and I have it in some of my Q&A documents, but I don't think I've ever addressed that. So uh, am I a doctor? No. But uh, do I correct people when they tell me? Probably not. I should. I maybe even photocopied a check about a decade ago that somebody wrote uh, Dr. Overbay on because it just sounded so good. And I've thought about getting a lab coat as well, but I don't think I've ever seen a therapist with a lab coat in session. But uh, but what was I telling you? Julie Lee in uh, her ICU podcast, we talked a lot about emotionally focused therapy, EFT, and she just asked some fantastic questions. We talked a ton about communication and, uh, and then problems that uh, often happen with couples. And then she asked about the hot topic, gaslighting. And so we got into some good... Uh, discussions there. And I'll have that uh, episode um, up as bonus content on my podcast probably a few weeks down the road. But I always love to first point people over to podcasts that maybe I've had a chance to be a guest on. And uh, Julie does a really, really good job. So I would suggest going over to her ICU podcast and checking that episode out. All right. So today I've been I've been trying to talk about this uh, or I've wanted to do an episode on this one for a long time. And I've gathered data, gathered data. And a lot, the way I do some of the podcasts, uh, we'll call it research, is I'll have stuff come up in a session. I've got a separate document on my iPad that I'll run over and write down podcast ideas. And it's funny, I often like to let a client know that I'm doing that because I don't want them to see me all of a sudden just uh, ferociously clicking away on my iPad pad and making them think that I'm, you know, just got Yahtzee uh, in a game I'm playing or something and they think that I'm not paying attention. So I'll let them know. I'll say, hey, uh, you just kind of gave me an epiphany for a podcast idea. So I'm just going to take a second and jump over to this other page, write that down really quick. And I can never quite tell if people are excited that that was an epiphany or if they feel like, oh man, you know, I must, uh, 
must really be broken if I'm saying something and this guy is thinking about doing a podcast about it. And uh, so this is one of those, though, talking about raw spots. So in emotionally focused couples therapy, EFT, and I know I've talked about that just ad nauseum. Um, so there's plenty of podcasts where you can kind of go back and get the basics of the EFT. As a matter of fact, if you want to go back to that ICU podcast from Julie Lee that I just mentioned. But there's a concept in EFT called raw spots. And I really love this. I love just kind of bringing some awareness to what raw spots are. I think it helps to know because, um, and I found an article that I had just bookmarked a long time ago. It's by a woman named Helena Madsen. And uh, she, I believe she's a therapist as well. And she wrote this on goodtherapy.org, which is a pretty good website as well. That just has a lot of therapy topics. But uh, she was just talking about um, ever, she kind of asked the question, she told a story, a personal story of hers, but she said, do you ever feel like you're living with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? She says that your partner is warm or loving and compassionate one moment and then angry or silent or indifferent the next. What's up with that? She says, you most likely rubbed your partner's raw spot. And I know even for me at times, I can feel like I'm just going along, minding my own business. Life is great. And all of a sudden I'm kind of, wow, I'm noticing that I am shutting down. Um, what is the story my brain is telling me? Is it the oh my gosh, you know, I've been offended story or is it the nobody understands me story? But uh, but what happens in those moments where you quickly go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde or vice versa or when you notice that something happens in your partner? Um, what she says, what uh, Helena Manson says is that we all struggle with these vulnerable feelings um, in love whether we want to admit it or not. She said it's inevitable that we'll hurt each other with careless words or selfish, selfish actions. And I love that concept because really around EFT, this whole concept is that I, I, I want to get to the point where I can be able to bring something up with my partner, feel safe enough and securely connected enough to bring up anything, even when they say a word or a phrase or there's a tone that uh, that kind of that kind of does something to me. And I'm not saying that you just get to say, hey, I never want you to use that tone again or I never want you to say that word again. But it's important to be able to to kind of be aware of, wow, I just noticed that I kind of shifted um, my, um, my emotions and why, what's, what's underneath that. Or of course, what we're kind of putting out here is that we're hoping that maybe our partner will recognize that, uh, Hey, something just kind of different happened and, and will they be able to bring that up? Now, this is a whole other podcast topic that I do actually have a note on as well. We never want to kind of, um, be testing our partner. You know, if we start to kind of emotionally withdraw, that is not a test for our partner to recognize that in us. And I think a lot of us do that. I know that I've been guilty of that in the past as well, where you start to pull away and you want your partner to say, hey, hey, what's wrong? Even if you know that the answer you're going to give is nothing. Um, you know, so so we don't want to kind of put out these tests. And I have people that are very honest in therapy that talk about that, where they will say, yeah, you know, at times uh, I was kind of testing her to see if she was paying attention to that. I'm going to I'm going to withdraw the one I hear a ton when I say that, you know, from a guy's standpoint is where there has been a, you know, you got a low desire, high desire couple. Here's a plug to go back and listen to that episode with uh, Dr. Jennifer Finless and Fife a couple of weeks ago about low desire and high desire. But if you have a guy who feels like um, there is a uh, imbalance in the world of intimacy in the marriage. And so I hear this often where the guy says, you know what, I'm just going to go a couple of weeks. I'm not even going to ask for it. I'm not even going to let her know about it and we'll see what happens. You know, and, and those are just unfair tests. We don't want to be doing that because um, our partner could all of a sudden feel like, wow, he's not uh, he's not kind of constantly um, hounding me about intimacy and, and making me feel like that is all that he cares about. So she might be going along carefree thinking, hey, this guy's changed. You know, this is awesome. I'm going to I'm going to kind of uh, pay more attention 
attention to this and see where this goes for the next few weeks. And meanwhile, he's kind of doing this uh, this test where he's saying, if she doesn't say anything about this in two weeks, then I'll really get mad. So we want to avoid those kind of tests. But uh, back to uh, Helena Manson. She says this. So we struggle with these um, vulnerable feelings and love. Uh, and typically, it's inevitable that we're going to hurt each other with careless words or selfish actions. She says, while these occasions sting, the pain is often fleeting and we get over it quickly. But according to Sue Johnson, Dr. Sue Johnson, a real, um, she, she is a clinical psychologist, a doctor, founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy, almost all of us have at least one hypersensitivity, also what she calls a raw spot in our emotional skin that's tender to the touch, that's easily rubbed and deeply painful. And she said, when this spot gets rubbed often enough, it can bleed all over our relationship. So um, so Helena uh, uh, Madsen goes on to talk about how these hypersensitivities truly do kind of emerge out of nowhere. And they they can happen whenever we, you know, it's just this need for attachment and connection. So when, when our need for attachment and connection is repeatedly neglected or more ignored or dismissed, um, it results in two potential raw spots, feeling emotionally deprived or deserted or abandoned. And so, um, and she talks about this, and I found that this is one of the things I loved about this article. She talked about, she said, I know my raw spot rather well. When I hear a tone of impatience in my husband's voice, she said, I get angry and defensive and it sends me back. Here's the key. Here's where raw spots come from way back. She said, it sends me back to days when my father would dismiss me as not being important or worthy enough of his time. She said, my father's impatience was his way of disconnecting um, from the relationship that she had with her father. She said, this experience makes me hypersensitive. Impatience signals emotional abandonment, abandonment to me. And I often find that as well, where I find that it, when someone does, or, or and I feel like I've kind of worked on this over the last decade and a half or two. Okay, just a quick pause. I always say that I want to be extremely authentic and vulnerable. I, I, I rarely, if ever, edit the show. And right then, just the, the most... Uh, odd noise, um, intake of air just happened for me that I had to go back and edit that out. So I almost wish I would have saved that for a bonus track down the road. But, um, when, when I hear sometimes tone for whatever reason, tone to me can rub a raw spot. So even let's just say if my wife is having a particularly, um, difficult time or experience or a rough day, and I kind of ask her a question and the response is maybe with a tone that I kind of feel is dismissive. And that's where I reckon that's part of why I pulled this article aside that uh, Helena wrote that, you know, tone to me represents something significant. Um, tone represents abandonment or emotional withdrawal. Now, I'm, I'm saying that that is my raw spot. I'm owning that raw spot. So when somebody kind of, quote, takes a tone with me, then I immediately go to this place where they, they don't care about what I say or they're dismissing me. And so one of the things that I love now is that I can say to my wife, hey, you know, I kind of felt like maybe that was a little bit a uh, little bit harsh or or maybe your tone kind of came across a certain way. And she's good about saying, oh, OK, no, I didn't I didn't mean that. So um, but that's the way to address one of those raw spots. So many of us don't have any idea of what our raw spots are, let alone our partners. And we simply get caught up in this vicious cycle of petty squabbles and conflicts when in reality, these are symptoms of, of a raw or tender spot on our emotional skin. So how do you identify your raw spot? So think about a time in your marriage when you got thrown off balance, when maybe you were communicating well, things were kind of going uh, going well between you and your partner, but then a small response or even more, more specifically, maybe a lack of response all of a sudden changes your sense of safety or connection with your spouse. So when you totally get caught up in reacting in a way that you know 
would spiral into your usual kind of dysfunctional pattern of relating to one another. Um, maybe you're aware of a moment when you found yourself reacting angrily or just sort of tuning out. And so uh, Helena does a nice job. She says, let's unpack this incident. So when something like this happens, when you notice this shift in tone or shift in the conversation, all of a sudden you were laughing, all of a sudden things just kind of went south. She says, what is happening in this relationship? What was the trigger that created a sense of emotional disconnection for you? What's your general feeling? And this is, this is key in the split second before you reacted and got mad or withdrew or kind of felt numb. What did your spouse specifically do or say that sparked this response? Because typically that's the point where we've rubbed this raw spot, something that they've said, something that they've done, a way that they've acted, and then we withdraw. She said, as you think of a moment when your own raw spots rubbed, what happens to your body? You might feel spacey. You might feel detached. Some people uh, say that they feel even hot or breathless or tight in the chest, or they feel, you hear these examples, people feeling empty or shaky or tearful or cold or small. Um, But uh, all of these different feelings, these kind of feelings that kind of come from within when one of these raw spots is rubbed. Um, she says, what does your brain decide about the meaning of all this? What do you say to yourself when this happens? This is where I love combining a little bit of that acceptance and commitment therapy model with the EFT. What are the stories my brain is telling me? Are they telling me these, my husband will never get it story, or I can't believe he just said that story, or I, I can't stand when he does that. Um, he obviously doesn't care about me story. And whenever we're kind of, uh, and when our brain is telling us these stories, we want to be able to um, find a way to kind of bring those stories out in the open so that we don't just immediately fuse. There's that cognitive fusion. We don't fuse to that story and that becomes our reality because once we fuse, again, here's where I love acceptance and commitment therapy principles. If our goal is to have a greater connection or a better marriage, a greater connection with our spouse, then if my brain is getting me to fuse to the he'll never understand story, then guess what? I don't have to bring it up, right? If I can believe that that is the truth, if I can cognitively fuse to that he will never understand me story, then I'm off the hook. Then I don't have to work toward that goal of emotional connection or being able to, you know what, we're going to work through problems as they come up. We're going to communicate about things. If that's that goal, and that's a great goal, a value-based goal, that is a real goal to have in your relationship. But if your brain can get you just to that path of least resistance, if it can get you to fuse to the, he will never understand me story, then you don't have to do the uncomfortable work of bringing up a raw spot. So, so after this happens, when, when your brain's kind of told you a story, what do you do then? You know, how, how do you move into action? And so um, try and see if you can tie all these elements together. And Helena gives a, a kind of a cool little um, example. She says, fill in the blanks below. She says, in this incident, so we're talking about whatever that incident does is where you notice that shift. The trigger for my raw, spe- raw, my raw feeling was blank. Was it tone? Was it body language? Was it him turning the radio up? Was it, you know, what was it? Was it him checking his phone? You know, what was the trigger for the raw feeling? And then she says, on the surface, I probably showed blank. So what, what did you show? Let's say, let's go with that phone one. I hear that one from time to time. So if all of a sudden he's looking at his phone, um, so there's the incident, the trigger for the raw feeling. Um, on the surface, I probably showed. And, and what if it was just like I just showed indifference or I showed withdrawal. But deep down, here's the next part. She says, I just felt, and then pick one of the basic negative emotions. I felt sad. I felt angry. I felt shame. I felt fear where she says, what I longed for was blank. What I longed for was engagement, connection, um, questioning. I, what I longed for was for him to say, tell me more. What I longed for was him to, even if it was to say, hey, I, you know, I just, uh, 
I just got a text. I'm, I'm waiting for something from work. Are you okay if I check this? You know, care, concern. That's the, what, what did I long for? The main message I got about our bond, about me or my love was blank, that I didn't matter, that he doesn't care, that he'll always put things first. So there we have a raw spot. Um, she pull, points out a scenario or two. Here's one. And I like this when I hear this one often. She said, how about this scenario? Your husband asks you to watch a movie with them on the couch after dinner. Your head is pounding from a migraine and you tell him that you're tired and going to bed. The next morning, you ask him if a certain outfit looks good on you and he says, it's okay, but since when does my opinion really make a difference here? Uh, wear what you want. What I want is irrelevant. So, um, ever had that scenario play out? Uh, still stuck in the feelings of rejection from the previous night, his sadness over the lack of connection with you, um, that time watching a movie on the couch, Force him into withdrawal and giving you the silent treatment. In both scenarios, rage and withdrawal mask the emotions that are central in vulnerability. Sadness, shame, and most of all, fear. Is my partner there for me? Do they care about me? Do I matter to them? Am I important? Do they love me? Um, she says, what's the dead giveaway that tells you that your raw spot or your spouse's raw spot has been hit? First, there is a sudden and radical shift in the emotional tone of the conversation. You and your spouse were just joking a minute ago and now... Um, one of you is upset or angry or aloof or cold. You're thrown off balance. It's if the rules all of a sudden change and nobody told you. And that's when people just feel, I often use this word in therapy, they kind of feel blindsided. What just happened here? I thought we were having a good time. Or, you know, hey, we just woke up. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the day. And I ask you what, uh, what you think of my outfit, uh, what you think of my outfit. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you're withdrawn and telling me that it doesn't, what does your opinion matter anyway? So, um, you're thrown off balance. It's again, it's, it's, you kind of feel blindsided. So first there's that radical shift in emotional tone. Second, your spouse's reaction to a perceived offense seems way out of proportion. So there's another trigger that uh, one of these raw spots has been hit. So again, first, first, um, trigger or first evidence that a raw spot has been hit is that sudden radical shift in emotional tone. The second is your spouse's reaction seems way out of proportion. Again, how do I look today? And all of a sudden it doesn't matter what I say ever. You know, that's a, that's a pretty, um, out of proportional response to a question. So these signs are all about attachment needs and fears that are popping up. They're all about our deepest and most powerful emotions suddenly taken over. Um, so we get set to kind of, uh, and, and I like how she puts this, move in a particular way toward, away from, or against our spouse. So, hey, how do I look? We're moving toward our spouse, right? This readiness to act is wired into every emotion. So anger will tell us to approach and fight. We get, we, and that's what we get caught up in a lot of times. A lot of times we feel like the only way we can communicate with our partner is to, uh, to approach and fight, to get that anger going because we feel like we're not going to be heard. Shame tells us to withdraw and hide. So a lot of times if people are, are feeling, you know, shameful about something, then they are going to withdraw. They're going to hide. They're, they're curious if their partner will notice them or recognize them or be there for them. And fear tells us to flee or freeze or in real extremes to turn back and attack. We see that often in these, uh, I often say it's when couples get into their bunkers, you know, they know that the conversation is going to be productive and they just start heaving insults. So, and then sadness will tell us to just grieve and let go. And, and, and what Helena says is, and she's so true about this, all this happens in a nanosecond. All this happens so quickly that, that we just think, what, what in the heck just happened? So stopping these destructive patterns depends not only on identifying and stopping the unhealthy ways of relating, but then finding and soothing the raw spots and helping our spouse to do the same. So here's how we do that. Uh, she laid out seven different things that I really appreciate about how to stop. So we've identified that, hey, something's gone on. Um, what's a dead giveaway about a raw spot? Sudden radical shift in emotional tone of the conversation or your spouse's reaction seems way out of proportion. But here we go. Here's how we um, stop these destructive patterns. 
And here's how we help heal from those. Number one, stop the game. One or both of you has to say, hey, uh, you know, can we can we kind of take a time out? Can we pause this? Um, this is the place that we always go. We get trapped here. We end up totally exhausted and defeated. You know, we get we get into our bunkers and we end up just just heaving insults, waiting for someone to, to you know, wave the white flag and say, OK, fine, you're right. So number one, stop the game. Number two, claim your own moves together. Come up with a short summary of your moves. Um, you know, uh, she gives the example, you lose it when your spouse pretends not to be affected. When you're, when you're, when your spouse doesn't say a word, that's when you maybe lose it. Or you get louder and you threaten and your spouse sees you as impossible and withdraws. You know, you get emotional. You have an emotional response and your partner goes with the, oh great, here we go. You're going to get emotional again. I mean, you know, those are things I actually, I, I do, I hear in sessions. And so, um, and again, not productive. So claim your own moves, uh, a, a summary of your moves. Number three, claim your own feelings. Talk about, your own feelings rather than focusing on your spouse and blaming everything on her. Don't go with the, you always do this to say, I feel, I feel hurt um, when, when I don't feel heard or I feel sad when you turn away from me. Um, claim your own feelings. And number four, own how you shape your partner's feelings. Recognize how your usual way of dealing with your emotions pulls your spouse off balance and turns on deeper attachment fears. So how you shape your partner's feelings. And this is one of the hardest parts, but one of the, the one of the most um, I don't know. This is where some of the real work happens is when somebody says, you know, yeah, I, I, I was playing that game. I was withdrawing. I was pulling away, hoping you would notice. And then I was getting mad at you for not noticing, you know, own how you shape your partner's feelings. Uh, number five, ask about your partner's deeper emotions. Look at the big picture and slow things down a little bit. We, we really need to start getting curious about your spouse's uh, what uh, Helena Manson says, softer underlying emotions rather than just listening to your own hurts and fears and assuming the worst about your spouse. This is where we got to get outside of ourselves. We have to turn toward our partner and we have to have, here comes that word, empathy. We, we need to try and figure out why, why did my partner react the way they did and, and, and care, not the, why did they say that thing to me? But it's what, you know, okay, what just happened here? I'm going to go all in with empathy. I'm going to seek to understand before I'm going to be understood. I want to know what just happened. Why did my partner just shift? I care about her enough that I want to know. I'm all in and I'm going to turn off my fixing and judgment brain. I'm going to not try to respond with the, well, that's because you, you know, I need to hear where she's coming from first. Um, so Sharing your own deeper, softer emotions. That, that's although voicing your deepest emotions, especially fears about not being connected or attached to your spouse, may be the most difficult step for you. It is also the most rewarding. Let your spouse see what's really at stake when you argue. So back to, you know, so number five um, was ask about your partner's deeper emotions. That's that. Hey, tell me what's going on there. Be curious about your spouse's underlying emotions. But then number six is after you have sought to understand now you can get into that. Hey, let me kind of share what's going on here. I get worried. You know, when you, when you kind of say those things to me, I fear, I get, I get afraid of abandonment. I get afraid you're going to leave me. You know, I get, I get uh, very vulnerable. Let your spouse see what's really, and, and Helena says what's at stake when you argue and that at stake. And I just use that, um, Hey, I'm afraid you're going to leave me concept. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, when we put this out there, that our partner needs to realize that uh, this marriage is, you know, hanging by a thread. I'm not, I'm not going down that path, but I'm just saying that, man, every time you do this, I know it may sound crazy, but I go to this place in my head of what if, uh, what if I do this too many times and you want to leave? And oftentimes our partner will say, where, why on earth would you say that? And, you know, and, and as well-meaning as that, why on earth would you say that kind of a response is? 
We just asked our partner to share their deep, softer emotions, these raw spots that come from who knows where, abandonment issues, attachment issues, growing up, and all of a sudden we got this person that we care and love about that we've been married to for decades at times, and we feel like, I, and, and, I mean, think about that. Think if your partner is saying to you, and I still worry that if I, if I am you know, not doing the right things, that you could go. And so even if you're, you know, even if you're hearing that, if you're the partner hearing that, thinking, why on earth would they say that, you know? First, kind of say, hey, yeah, why on earth would they say that? Tell me more, not the, I can't believe you said that to me. And then number seven, here we go. Stand together. Take the above steps and forge a renewed and true partnership. You now have common ground and cause. You no longer see each other as enemies but allies. Now this is that partner that you've identified a raw spot. You've owned your own part of that dance. You've identified, you know, you're, you are trying to, to understand where your partner's coming from. You are on the same page. You want to know everything about your partner and your partner wants to know everything about you. And, and, and you want to know how you have negatively affect in, in a situation and you're hoping that they're going to do the same. They want to understand how the things that they have done or said or their, um, the moves they've made have made you feel a certain way. Uh, so you can take control of escalating these negative conversations that feed the insecurities and now you can face those insecurities together. So I just want to go over a couple of things really quick then again. So how, what is a dead giveaway that a raw spot has been hit? First, a sudden and radical shift in the emotional tone of the conversation. You were joking a minute ago, and now all of a sudden it's gone south. Somebody's angry or cold or aloof. Second, your spouse's reaction uh, to a perceived offense seems way out of proportion. And then, what are those ways that you start to um, start to adjust or, or soothe or find those raw spots and then heal them with our spouse? Number one, stop the game. Somebody has to say, can we kind of take a break? Can we pause? And you have to be on the same page and not have the response be, Oh no, you're not getting out of it this easy. Uh, number two, claim your own moves. You know, uh, come up with a summary of your moves, what you did. Number three, claim your own feelings. You know, this is how I feel right now, not you did this. Number four, own how you shape your partner's feelings. Recognize how the way that you deal with emotions oftentimes will pull your spouse off balance. And those are coming from these deeper attachment fears that you have. Number five, ask about your partner's deeper emotions. Tell me more. Seek first to understand. Be curious about your spouse's softer underlying emotions. Number six, then share. Share your deeper, softer emotions. Get vulnerable. It's time. I don't care if it's a guy, man, brain, or whatever. It's time to kind of open up. Um, let your spouse see a little bit of your heart, or a lot of your heart, actually. And then number seven is stand together. Take these take these steps and uh, now recognize that, wow, that worked. I'm aware of my partner's raw spot and that that comes from somewhere deep. I want to be able to help them with that. I don't want to continue to be a part of the problem. I want to be the solution. Um, I should have warned you about that cliche. But uh, so there's a, there's a little bit of a primer on raw spots. I hope that you can pull something from this that will help you in your relationship, in your marriages. And, uh, and I feel like the, this is just one of those huge steps of being able to recognize and identify our own raw spots, where they come from. Um, what our partner is possibly doing that that rubs one of these raw spots, and then having these tools to be able to communicate with your partner and not in a way that says, you better not ever do that again. It's more of a, hey, here's what's going on for me. So, uh, hey, thank you for um, taking the time to listen. And if you liked anything about this episode, feel free to share it with anybody that you think uh, that could benefit from trying to figure out what those raw spots are. This is one of those um, fundamental principles of emotionally focused therapy that is going to help you communicate better and know that you can secure that connection and that your spouse is going to be there for you. Um, I promise you that, that there, there, there is hope for relationships where there is, uh, 
um, there's some some really uh, kind of dysfunctional communication patterns. And, and I promise you the emotionally focused uh, therapy is um, something that can really help address those core issues and help a couple become more securely attached. All right, until next time, I'll see you again on the virtual couch. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind.